Welcome to Unboxed. I'm your host, Connie Nam, the founder of Astrid and Mew. In these conversations, I speak to the founders of some of the most innovative, bold, and exciting businesses to discover the person behind the brand and what it took for them to build their empires. My guest today is the founder, creative, and sustainability director of Stripe and Stare, Katie Lopez. Katie's journey with Stripe and Stare is a real lesson in grit and determination. Everybody knows that starting a business is tough, but this episode just shows that even when things aren't going your way, there is opportunity and hope if you just keep going. This episode is sponsored by Payhawk. Growing a business from a startup to a scale-up comes with many challenges. One way to solve this is to introduce effective systems at the right time. Payhawk, a corporate card and expenses management solution for scale-ups, have literally transformed many lives at Astrid and Mew since implementing earlier this year. To simplify, Payhawk combines company cards, reimbursable expenses, accounts payable, and seamless accounting software integrations into a single product that can be used globally. In this episode, Katie and I are discussing the importance of finding people that can do things better for you than you do. I also find finding great systems that can do the job better than you is so important in scaling a business to eliminate human error and manual tasks. This is where Payhawk helps us in significantly reducing manual work and errors in financial month and process. The costs also made sense for us as a still scrappy business since so- the software was doing half a headcount's job and more. Here are some key highlights of the software. First, Payhawk allows you to improve cash flow control across multiple departments and currencies by visualizing current funds versus upcoming spend via the group dashboard. Second, You can also choose to tailor workflows to accommodate specific requirements. For example, assign designated spend approvers at group or department level. This was an important feature for us as our org chart was getting more complex with international subsidiaries and expanding departments. Third, Payhawk has the best-in-class direct integrations with finance software and ERP such as Xero, which we use, or NetSuite, which was a huge draw for us as we did not have dedicated resources to integrate and manage all of our systems naturally as a small business. If you would like to find out more, schedule a demo using the link in the show notes and be sure to tell them you came from the Unbox podcast to receive a 20% discount. Katie, thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's thrilled to be here. (laughs) Yeah, it's such an honor. So tell me about yourself, Katie Lopez, as well as Strap and Stare. So do you want the business side or the personal side? Both. Personal, the better. Personal. Okay, so how old am I? 47. I'm a single mother. I've got two children, Connie, another Connie, who is 15 actually on Saturday, and um, Sam, who's 10. We live in Devon, which is where I started Strap and Stare, so... Um, set up Striping Stair in 2017 after six, seven years of research and development. Um, and it's all about the world's most comfortable knicker, all responsibly sourced. They are really comfortable. I'm wearing one right now. You better be. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fully stocked. Thank, me. Thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> What's the inspiration behind Striping Stair? So I used to be a, a my first job out of uni was um, TV. Um, which I loved, but it sort of, I got to a crossroads. I was actually offered a really big promotion um, 
which was kind of fast tracking me into the executive um, producer route. But I was looking at the women sort of 10, 15 years down the line from me, and they were making so many sacrifices in their personal lives to for the sake of their career. And I was like, I want to be, I want both. I want the career and I want the family, but I also want to work hard. So I made the decision to leave television. Um, and my sister and I set up a retail store in Chelsea in London in 2004. We always knew that going into retail, it was going to be super tough, which is why I said to you before, my, when we were chatting earlier, it's like, you're so brave with the retail. I want to quiz you on it in a minute. So we were always looking for a way to support the business. Um, we were buying contemporary brands. Like we were the first people to stock Zimmerman in the UK yeah. and Rag and & Bone. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really fun. You foresight, didn't you? Well, I'm half Australian. So a lot of the yeah. inspiration for the brands we were picking were from Australia, mm. things we'd seen there that we loved and things that were hard to find in the UK. So it was great fun. And the stores actually did much better than we thought they were going to. So we were very focused on that. But we were selling a little rolled up lacy G-string from New York that was described as the world's most comfortable thong. And I had to be persuaded by my team to bring them in because they were like 18 pounds. And I was like, who, even in Chelsea, who is going to spend 18 pounds on a little ball of lace? Apparently a lot of people. A lot of people. Women were coming in and buying armfuls. So I got super interested in underwear. And I was like, well, it's great that we've got the thong, but we're British and we like a pair of pants. So there was, there was just no brand doing a cool, contemporary, super comfortable, everyday pair of knickers. Um, remember, this was in the heyday of Victoria's Secret. So you had the uber sexy male gazy underwear at one end, and then you had M. Mark Suspensers dressing like your grandmother at the other. So there was just nothing in the middle that women actually wanted to wear. Yeah, you're right. Even now, I can't really think of a brand other than Stripe and Stare that does like really good knickers and underwear. Yet the really, it's been a massive gap. And I think the industry has been dominated by a few major players for decades. And they've just not really moved with trends and times. Yeah. I do have to admit, I've been in M&S knickers before I found you. Most people come from Calvin Klein, M&S or Victoria's Secret. There's so many parallels between our lives because I started my career in investment banking, which was very heavily male dominant. Yeah. And like ours were crazy, like in TV. I'm sure it was very heavily male dominant there as well. Exactly. And I just... The men just sort of seemed to breeze in and out and everything seemed very easy. But I suppose most of them were married, so they had the wife at home doing the family stuff, whereas the women were always, like, <gasps> frantic and stressed. Yeah, it was the same. Yeah. It was the same. Like, all the senior bankers were either single or they had, um, you know, they didn't have kids, e even if they were married. And I didn't aspire to that kind of life. No, it was, yeah, it just, and it, it felt like the women in TV, and I'm sure the same, even more so in investment banking, had to be super tough to compete yeah. in that male male world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it was kind of designed for men by yeah, men. Yeah, and it just wasn't me. I was a bit more soft-spoken. I wasn't as aggressive, so I just didn't fit in. <laughs> Were you the same? Or? I was a super hard worker. There were probably more women in TV, and it wasn't. It wouldn't have been as aggressive. Although my first job, oh my god, people used to throw phones at people's heads, and <laughs> the c word, which is even where I draw the line for swearing, was used a lot. But I don't know. I, I felt. I'm sure you're the same, and you have to be if you're running a business. But you're quite good at dealing with stress. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm pretty resilient. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I, I, they, it didn't scare me when yeah. people were sort of doing the screaming Where and the shouting. Where do you think that came from? Because whenever I speak to founders, there's this like resilience that's a superpower in every single founder, every single successful founder anyway. I was thinking about that recently and I've got absolutely no idea. There's no entrepreneurs in my family. Like my parents are not entrepreneurs. I don't know what gave me the confidence and sort of 
I suppose self-belief. Do you have to have quite yeah, a lot of yeah, self-belief, yeah. do you think, yeah. to be a founder? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was speaking to Joanna Jensen, founder of Child's Farm, um, two days ago. Oh, she's great. And yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. the common thread in her story was grit and self-belief. She just believed in herself. Oh, there's a great TED Talk. Um, I can't remember who did it, but literally they've done studies and 90% of success is grit. You can go to the Harvards, you can get your MBAs, yeah. you can do all that stuff. But most of it is, what is it, fall down seven times, get up eight and yeah. I think that's what all entrepreneurs have to have. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, she said she had a really tough mom. So she never got praise. So that's where the grit comes from. Uh, isn't that interesting? No, my mom's not tough. I have no <laughs> idea. I, tell you, I did have um, quite a serious illness when I was a child. Mm. Um, allergies. Like I was allergic to horses. And um, it was it was quite serious. And I think maybe that's made me a lot more resilient. Yeah, it could be. It's just yeah, yeah having to deal with something like that at a young age, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And talking about resilience... Um, is there an event that defined you? I know like you went through a bad divorce, you were in debt. Like, is that yeah, a huge event? That was, God, there's so much in this. It's um, So I'd developed the knickers, thank goodness, and I'd been running my own business for 10 years when um, I got divorced. So thank God I had a product that I knew was great and that the world wanted. Um, and also I knew quite a lot about business having done it for 10 years. But the store was never going to make enough money. So literally I found out, it was the week from hell, my I found my dad died on Sunday. I found out my husband had been living a lie for two and a half years on Monday. And I was homeless and one and a half million pounds in debt. Oh my goodness. I mean, it was like, and then, and then on Thursday, on the day of dad's funeral, we were in Devon at the funeral and my house in London got burgled, like properly burgled. Like, so it, it wasn't the universe like yelling at me to... That you know, it was just being completely leveled. But it was re- it was really interesting because obviously I was in shock for a really long time after. But it's what forced me to basically put my big girl pants on and find a way through to build a future for my children and I. Because I knew from that moment it was all on me. I was going to have to sort everything out. Because my, my ex-husband was in the city. He was earning a lot of money for a long time. Um, so... I'd been mostly reliant on the, the household had been mostly funded by him. So it was time for me to kind of like step up and figure out how I wow. was going to take Where, where did you even start? Slowly. Because it's my, I'm really impatient. I want everything now, now, now. I think it's probably another. Are you like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so it was a real like, right, deep breaths, slow and steady, you know, little little bits at a time. So we founded Stripe and Star in 2017. I have a co-founder, Nicola, because I knew where my strengths and weaknesses lie. And Nicola runs all of the financials, the operations, the HR side of things, which frees me up to do the sales, the marketing, the PR, the design. So that worked really well. All the fun stuff. I get the fun stuff. <laughs> but she likes, she likes yeah. the other stuff. <laughs> she thinks that's fun. Yeah, that's, that's fun. great. <laughs> How do you do all of that? Do you do everything? Well, I have a really great team and the leadership team, but I hired um, a COO two years ago to do exactly the, that, like the stuff that I'm not good at, the stuff that he's good at. So he comes from a commercial finance background. So he deals with finance, operations, merchandising, all the back office stuff and like tech and systems. Like but you everything didn't, that have, you didn't have that for like eight years, the first eight years you I were mean, doing like, it I, I had a good like team who grew with the business, yeah. but we got to a point where I needed someone slightly more senior. But, you know, like after he joined everyone else, some um, grew with us. Yeah. The other thing that I find is if I'm worrying about cash flow or my head's in or some sort of operational issue, 
I find really hard to do the yeah. other part because there's yeah. such different sides of the brain that you use for each yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I kind of had to worry about all of that. And thanks to my investment banking, like, I guess, years, I kind of knew the how to do that. But it really just didn't, it, they just didn't energize me. Yeah. I could kind of do it, but not really well. That's it. I could muddle through it. But <laughs> <laughs> it's much better that someone with more yeah. attention to detail is doing yeah, it than yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like, they, they enjoy doing it, right? Yeah. They get energized. I actually love a spreadsheet too, but I just probably wouldn't want to spend all day yeah. in one. Yeah. <laughs> so 2017 was the moment where I had some... I, it, and then the universe, I'm such a big believer in the universe and everything happens at the right time, at the right moment for reasons. Um, and this sort of angel appeared from nowhere and was like, I've been watching you and your career. And if you ever want money to do something, let me know. So I had the money, I had the product, I had the business partner. Um, we decided to do it in August 2017 and we started training on October in October 2017 so it oh, was wow. really quick once all the pieces were in place so, it was so really angel meaning angel investor yeah, yeah yeah is that is that after you launched the brand so no so because I had nothing I had nothing of yeah. my own I'd been totally wiped out by the divorce so um I wouldn't have been able to fund it but Tom came along and said yeah I'll support you whatever you want to do just let me know what you want oh wow did you know him before or he just like found you or you found him I should say yes I did I had met him apparently but I didn't <laughs> that's amazing briefly really briefly yeah. and but he's an entrepreneur himself so okay. he was always interested yeah, yeah. in other entrepreneurs and yeah. what they were doing yeah so he saw something in you he'd been keeping an eye on me yeah because i think yeah. an entrepreneur can see another entrepreneur yes even if they don't have a business i yeah, think you I think can, so. can you see it in like, you see the drive people, yeah you, you see the drive and the sparkle in the yeah. eyes don't how did you find your business when you launched uh on my own so I worked savings. in banking. Yeah, from savings. I worked in banking. I was a junior banker, but luckily they paid so much at that time. I mm. felt like I didn't deserve that much money. I saved everything. I made a couple of good investments while I was in banking. I bought two flats. I invested in the stock oh, market so when smart. the stock market was going like this. Yeah. So I kind of like made good Had choices without with like without really knowing. So I sold my first flat. When I was coming to London, I did business school, so to pay for tuition and living, I sold my first flat, and then second flat I sold when I was starting business. So that funded. Astrid yeah, Mew. they they that funded Astrid Mew for the first three years, and then I raised money to open our first store with angel investors. So I pitched in front of a group of angel investors and got that money around like half a million. Was that at one of those sort of networking events? Yeah, it was um, at an event called London Business Angels. It doesn't exist anymore, yeah, but back then it was like it was huge. So you would pitch in front of 200 investors, which God, is so wracking, intimidating. <laughs> but luckily, um, there was a lot of momentum at that time. So I raised all my money through that event. God, that's so great. In one day. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I had like leading up to that, I was meeting people here and there for six months. And people would be like, oh, I really like you, but I don't really get the sector. Is this a lifestyle business? Like, what do you want to do with it? So I think being a young female Oh my founder, goodness, don't get me started. Yeah, I think they assume <laughs> that it's a lifestyle business because the it's also in jewelry. Oh, the number of people would have said, oh, it's so nice that you've got a little business. You do it from your house. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, a 3,000 yeah, yeah. square foot warehouse with millions a year in turnover. Yeah, anyway, I, I still remember, get it. <laughs> I remember I met a VC and he was like, oh, like, um, it's so nice. You're really impressed. My, my um, 
wife is in jewelry as well. She makes jewelry and sells on Etsy. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. <laughs> I think underwear is probably a bit the same. They think I'm probably like sewing little knickers to sell to my friends yeah, yeah. In my, um, in, from my house. Yeah, I think the perception has changed now with like the introduction of direct-to-consumer brands and all these huge brands in the US and here and um, the funding readily available in consumer space. But back then, yeah. that was in 2015 when I was raising money. It was hard. So we, when we launched in 2017, all VCs were interested in was tech. Everyone was like, we just yeah. want to invest in tech, 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 yeah. tech, tech. Because yeah. they only need one tech yeah. business to go yeah. mega. And um, they've their whole fund is made, basically. Yeah. But so we launched with angels. We we had launched us with 70,000. And then we got another 70,000 a year later. Um, and then what we've always loved to do is we then emailed our, we were thinking about doing a crowd raise because we love that idea of the mm. community and people who love our product yeah. to, I think to that's be investors a, I think that's us. an amazing way to raise money. Well, then you've got founder. an army of investors who yeah. are all out there yes. sort of singing your praises and telling all their friends about you. Yeah. Exactly. So that's always stood us in really good stead. So we've raised a bit, but we've never actually needed to go to the Crowdcube phase. We've always raised everything we needed from literally one email to our customer database. Mm. We did take a VC in 2021. Yeah. That's during COVID. Yeah. I mean, I hate saying it. We, we had a really, we were lucky with COVID because everyone was at home mm. shopping online. Yeah. They wanted comfort. Yeah. So it was a massive moment where, yeah, well, we've yeah. had a couple of lucky moments. Like the Me Too movement was really important for us because I think a lot of women suddenly went, oh my goodness, why have I been dressing for a man and being uncomfortable? So there was a massive shift in the underwear market um, in about 2017. And then it went even quicker with COVID, yeah. um, with the comfort factor. Mm. But you always had a strong ethos. So you had that foundation and, you know. Literally, I was looking at our brand Bible when we launched um, not one thing has changed in our DNA. It's all about comfort. It's all about women supporting women and doing things in a better, more sustainable way. Yeah, is, I love that. Which is, it's very simple. Yeah. And it took you six years for R&D. That's a huge amount of time. I know, but I wasn't yes. sort of doing it all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that process like? So what From I would do... To end, tell me all about oh it. Oh my God, I'm such a nutter. So <laughs> <laughs> I used to go on sourcing trips to Hong Kong a lot. And I literally... Drew a pair of knickers, which my mother then, my mother has a sewing machine, she can sew. She then made the first prototype. I then went to Hong Kong, got the train into China and just searched for somebody to help me make them. And oh, I found I this that. amazing man. But you already had a... I was prototype. there, like waving my knickers. Yeah, with your going, production you can team help. back here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom yeah. <laughs> running it up. And I still work with him today, this man I found. He's oh, the most great. amazing guy. Wow. How many suppliers do you have? We have about five now all spread over the world, yeah. but Adam is still our primary one. Yeah. China gets a really bad rep, but I'm really defensive of it because I, I, my big thing is it's not where the factory is based. It's the way they treat their workers, the way they do things. Yeah. And his factory is, oh my goodness, 10,000 times better than a lot of ones I visited in the yeah, UK. 100%. You know what? Our production team recently visited all our factories out in Asia. So we, we manufacture in China, Thailand, India, and also Italy and the UK. But our like Chinese factory are the best in terms of like sustainability, how they treat their employees, the community aspect and the vision. Yeah. And also how they translate designs as well. Yeah, I love working with them. They're so honest and open with us. We never there's so this guy that we work with is so trustworthy. Mm. Um he's he's more than a supplier now actually. He's sort of part of the business really because he's oh. been with us for 20 years. I've worked with him nearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must be one of their biggest like 
tires as yeah, well. Yeah, he's, he's, cut, he's cut out a lot of the other um, brands that mm. he was working for before. Wow, it's that's so really small. good. It's yeah, so small, yeah, this factory. Yeah. How did you find your first factory? So my first supplier was based in Korea. Because I'm from Korea, I naturally went out to Korea because I knew custom jewelry was like in the 70s, 80s, a huge um, thing. In, in Korea. Korea? Yeah, in I Korea. I didn't know that. I yeah, always think of Korea as like beauty brands and things, yeah, not jewelry. Yeah, it is now. There's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of brands now. But when Korea used to be poor in the 70s and 80s, they used to do a lot of manufacturing. But then, you know, Korea didn't like, isn't competitive anymore because it's a more developed market. And so salaries, are the, salaries yeah. are the same as in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's very expensive. But... You know, when I first started out, it was just easy because of language, because of culture. And I happened to meet this um, supplier. She's called Soy. And she was around my age. And normally, typically, jewelry suppliers are middle-aged men. And it was very refreshing because she was a woman. She was She got age. it. She already yeah, had good taste. And the only reason she like was running this business was because her dad passed away early. So she had to run the family business, but her heart wasn't in it. Really? She wanted to do something more aspirational. So she loved the fact that another Korean was um, overseas launching a brand and it was, it, it felt glamorous, I guess, for her. So she just wanted to back me. So she would just, um, you know, help, like we, we would be collaborators. She'd be so good at translating design. So I'm not a designer. So I just tell her, this is the kind of stuff I want. And she'd go off and make yeah, it. Yeah, and then she'd like kind of sketch it out for me on in technical drawing and she'd translate that for well, me. Well, that's exactly what Adam did for me, actually, because I'm not an underwear designer at all. I have no fashion design training. And actually, I think that's been a benefit because it meant that I came at underwear with a fresh pair of eyes. And I was like, why is all this heavy elastic in the seams? Because that's what gives you the, the VPL, the wedgies and rides up and is uncomfortable. So um, I was like, no, you've got to pull them out. And actually, I spoke to a couple of other factories who sort of laughed me out of the room. I'm like, you can't, they won't stay up. You can't do that. I was like, no, if we put this lace here with the flat lock stitching. And Adam was the only one who believed it was doable. So yeah, we, yeah. we worked together on that. Yeah, I think... Um when you're first starting a business with nothing, it's so important to find those people who believe in you, isn't it? Oh, it's all about who you surround yourself with. Yeah, yeah. And they need to have Everything. that vision and they need to yeah. believe in you yeah. as a person because you've got nothing. I've been so lucky since launch, and I'm sure you'd say the same, but just the right the right people coming into your life at the right time. I think a really a mistake that I made along the way before Stripe and Stare was having zero confidence and thinking I was a bit rubbish. And so everybody who told me, oh, do this or do that, I'd be like, okay, they've said that's mm. what I should do. I'm going to go and do that. But when all of my shit happened, I was like, fuck this. I'm perfectly capable. I'm <laughs> Good gonna, for you. I'm going to start trusting my instincts. And I was furious with myself that I trusted a man who was in the city, so I assumed was brilliant at finance and let him have total power over my financial life. So my big thing is about women taking responsibility for themselves, ownership, confidence. And I think it's wrapped up in the female founders. Like we're on that group, aren't we, by Women Built. But there's a real army of women out there, entrepreneur, female entrepreneurs, who are trying to change those statistics on the investment money last year. What was it? Two pence in every pound went to female founded businesses. So, you know, there's a, there's a wave of us now, I think, coming through who are trying to show more women that this yeah, is a really yeah. genuine career yeah, and I love them. that and the female group that we have like we just uplift each other I know and so and celebrate all these yeah, successes yeah. and share share knowledge yes. so it's not like oh I'm not I'm not giving away my secrets it's yeah. like no no I can help with that this is what you should do I don't I don't think you get it on a man's 
entrepreneurial group. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so either. I sound like a real <laughs> anti-man. I'm not, I don't hate men at all. I love men. But, <laughs> but you know, like I've got two girls. Girls are the best. <laughs> I've got a girl as well. My Connie. Um, yeah. Actually, everything I do like for the business, like in terms of who we work with, you know, sort of PR partners and influencers. And I always think, is this somebody that I would want my daughter to aspire to be? So women who've really accomplished something yeah. and are putting themselves out there and really giving it a go. So is Connie aware of um, how successful you are and is she proud of you? You're very sweet. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I think she is. Because I worked really hard, she was desperate to go to boarding school. So that was the one thing that I wanted to have enough money to do. Um, and the business, thank goodness, has made that possible for her. So she's so happy to have had that chance to to experience something like that, that, she, that was her choice. And she often turns around to me and is like, mommy, I'm just so grateful. It's great, though, actually, because she's now a great PR brand ambassador around the school. So now they're all, all those oh, girls are in that. their striker's debt. I had, she called me out the other day. She said, Mommy, Cecily says that uh, B has stolen her hot pink pants. And B says, no, my mommy bought them. So, Mummy, you have to go and look on the website and tell us whether B's mummy actually did buy the pink pants. <laughs> so, they're so popular at the school, they're all like fighting oh, over them. So I'm she's not super, surprised. She's super proud of that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's so cute. It's really nice. Oh. What about your girls? Are they yeah. aware at all? I think they are. Like, especially my second one. She's very, like, feisty. And the other day, like, we were on holiday and I took a jewelry making kit from Amazon and we're making jewelry. And she said, like, oh, I'm working on my jewelry business. And it's funny that she's not saying I'm making jewelry she's saying I'm working on my jewelry I love business. that you're inspiring her yeah I guess so I think they do learn it by sort of osmosis don't they yeah apparently my son was giving his classmates an explanation of the VAT and import taxes the other day and I was like oh wow I was like where he's 10 I was like where has he picked that up but I suppose wow. he's heard me on the phone yeah. or over I didn't dinner. know what VAT was until I started this business I was like what is this VAT thing why are they taking 20% off of me it's my money <laughs> no <laughs> But I think Connie, my Connie, would quite like to do it when she's older. She's yeah. not. She's a bit of an all-rounder. Like she's not specifically sporty yeah. or science or anything. So yeah. But they have a good head start, right? Because I would have never imagined, or I would have never said, like, I'll start my own business when I was like fifteen. I would not have thought of it. It just wouldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and I don't remember anyone saying like, I want to be a businesswoman. What did your parents do? My dad was a diplomat. He worked for the government, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So you, there was no entrepreneurialism in your no background entrepreneurialism. either? No and, either. You know, like some of my mom's family, they were entrepreneurs, but they were like, there were so many ups and downs. So entrepreneurialism to me was always like, oh, like it's very risky. Um, there's so many ups and downs. Yeah, there are a lot of ups and downs. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned along the way is you just can't get too stressed. You've yeah. just got to find a way yeah. to realize it's just a pair of knickers. Yeah. Um, and the world is not going to end. So pivoting back to your products, your R&D, sustainability, you are recently B Corp certified. Yeah, we got that last summer, which was great. We Congratulations. Can you tell me more? So we wanted to get it because we there's so much greenwashing. We all know we've all seen the H&Ms and the boohoos and everybody trying to pretend that they're green and that kind of thing. And we were like, how can we show our customers that we really are a company who's doing things differently and we love the B Corp accreditation because it's not just about the sustainability it's also about the ESG so the the social the governance the how you look after your staff your suppliers like thinking about every single part of your business um, so that was an amazing process and that was something that I wanted as well because I think a lot of us female founders I've got a good stat for you 
So the two pence in every pound went to female um, founder businesses and investment last year, but 23% of the UK's B Corp businesses are female-led. So it does show that when women set up a business, they tend to do it in a slightly different, more purposeful way. So that was something as well that I wanted for my daughter is, you know, you can work in business, you can be successful, but you can still do it in a sort of kind, nice way. You know what I mean? I would have always thought that entrepreneurs were sort of men who were like stomping into rooms and screaming and shouting and um, but it's just it's just not the way it has to be. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like female-run businesses are a lot nicer, and retention rate I would imagine is higher. I don't know the stats, but like I would imagine on the so. staff, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think Natalie Messonet. I used to follow her actually. She was a real trailblazer for showing how things could be done differently. She had yeah. the best reputation when she was at Netaporto for just being the nicest woman. Yeah. 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 So that yeah. was she was a real inspiration. Yeah, in that. that's really inspiring, right? Because you see all these like ballsy businessmen and you think like, oh, you need to be exude confidence and like just think about yourself. You've got to be like Donald be Trump like a, or yeah. Alan Sugar and yeah, like yeah, exactly. go around in your story for driven Rolls Royce. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. women are just a bit calmer. Yeah, yeah, we need to create our own show where like oh, we, we have like kind women running businesses. That's my background is TV. Yeah. We can make this happen. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. can you be front of camera and I'll be behind directing it (laughs) as a single mom and I know like you work between Devon and London yeah how do you balance or like do you not balance (laughs) I don't balance at all it's always (laughs) things falling around all all over the place my mum's amazing she helps me out a lot so I would not have this business if it wasn't for her um lots of to-do lists and then I've had to make a lot of sacrifices like I went to see my friend this weekend who's been my best friend, one of my best friends since I was 16. I haven't been to her house in five years, we worked out. So I don't, there's not much for social life right now. So you do, there are lots of sacrifices, but um, I'd rather do it this way and, and sort of work incredibly hard for maybe yeah. not an extended period of time. Yeah. So hopefully sort of exiting in a few years. Um, I'd much rather that and just focus on, so I am so... 100% razor focused on the children and work and there's really not room yeah, yeah, for much else yeah. which is fine for now yeah and you've got a really good co-founder right so I've got Who, Nicola who's a really close friend of yours yeah she's as well. great how did you meet her and how did you decide to go into business together she was my sister's one of my sister's best friends so it was great that there was somebody that I could trust that I'd done a few she'd worked helped me out a little bit when I had the stores so I knew that we worked well together and her skills balanced mine so it was just luck you know the right person. She just left a job as an MD for a French company with quite an aggressive, toxic environment. So she was looking for something new. And we both, having both experienced very toxic workplaces, we were like, let's just do this a bit differently. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So, and yeah, she basically lived with me during the pandemic. She kind of moved into my house. Oh, wow. So it was a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's she's a lot. basically like family now. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. We hardly have yeah, a fight. But you're though. so lucky it worked out because it could go like it either way, off. right? With it the co founder. Yeah. I think because we'd both seen situations with other people where it had gone badly yeah. that we made it. It's like a marriage. My God, yes. you have to just make a real effort yeah, and like 100%. watch yourself. What are some key tips and like so, to someone who's looking for a co-founder? What do you need to look out for? Well, the number one is trust. Like, I would trust Nicola with my life. Yeah. I know she's the most honest person. Mm. Like I never need to check figures like, as in yeah. I would never worry about our bank balance or anything yeah. because I know that she's got all that just yeah. under control. Yeah. Um, so the trust thing, I think, is really huge. And then just working out where your strengths are and making sure you're surrounding yourself with people who can fill in all the gaps. Because nobody can do everything. You just yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, self-awareness is so important in running business. <laughs> and I didn't start this when I was like 40. <laughs> so by that point, I had quite good. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew where I, where I was strong and weak. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was a journey because I started this in my early 30s. And like, I was still like very unaware. So like, I learned a lot about myself. It's, you do. Oh God, I yeah. would. Painful stuff. Like some of them were really painful. Of course, as well. but I, don't you want that out of life? Like yeah. my worst nightmare would be to go and sit at a desk and do the same job all day every day. Like I love the challenge and the excitement and the. I even love it when it goes wrong because it's like right come on team how are we going to get out of this yeah. you know what are we going to do yeah when I see you or talk to you there's so much like positivity is that there? Exists. yeah where do you think that comes from were you I always positive no no <laughs> like isn't she like really like positive so are you <laughs> I think another thing with an entrepreneur and that's part of the resilience is you have to be an optimist because yeah, yeah, if you yeah, were yeah, yeah. then you just yeah. wouldn't take the risk you have the to be kind of like Positive and ruthless at the same time. Yeah, and you? realistic. Yeah. And you have to have that drive that no one else has. Like, My that, worst like, fear of, would be to live a yeah. boring life. So it's not about the money. Obviously, the money is super important because I'm bringing out my children by myself. So that's essential. But the actual real thing for me is trying to find out what I'm made of and what I'm capable of. Because I don't want to get to 80 and go, oh, I wish I'd given that a try. Like living with regret would be my worst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Have you ever read the Brené Brown stuff? Yeah. Dare to lead. Yes. Yeah. What else? That. The one, I love her thing when she's like, just about trying and vulnerability and putting yeah. yourself out there. And that's yeah. when you really get the most out of life. Yeah. So I read all of her books when I was starting, listened to loads of podcasts. Well, what are ones. some podcasts you listen to? Um, well, Stephen Bartlett wasn't around then, was he? The Diary of a CEO. They would have probably been really boring, like Harvard Review podcasts or something. Yeah, quite yeah. Like quite serious. Mm. They're quite serious and sometimes theoretical, right? You yeah. want real life stories. Yeah. How I Built This is really good. Yes, I listened to that. That's good. There's one, the Holly Tucker one's really good as oh, well, yeah, Stories yeah. of Inspiration. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I listen to that a lot. And every time you listen to these things, you just pick up something new, don't you? You learn yeah. something that you're like, you yeah. probably haven't thought of before. What else do you listen to? I am, oh my God, I'm embarrassed to say the, the girls <laughs> in the office tease me so badly because I'm in the car or traveling so much. I listen to a lot of serial killer podcasts. <laughs> They're so interesting, though. I just love true stories. Yeah. And I think I'm really interested in psychology as yeah, well. Yeah, me too. You are too, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm that was obsessed my, with psychology. Yeah, that was my um, uni degree. So oh, okay. that's kind of where my yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by what makes yeah, people yeah, tick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when too. there's a Ted Bundy, I'm like, really? Yeah. Psychology is so important in running a business as well. It's all about psychology. I think it end. is, particularly when you're working in a team. You've yeah. got to really be, know how to read the room and yeah. your emotional intelligence is yeah. super important. And also understanding your customers, right? Exactly, particularly when you're a D2C business. So can, can I ask you, how were you so brave to do so many retail stores? Like, how did you am just, I so brave to Did you do so one? Ones? You did one and it just worked so well. That's yeah, why I was like, I this mean, is working, so let's just roll it out. Oh, yeah, yes and no. We launched St. Christopher's Place in 2015, and it was a slow burn. It was profitable because we don't need a big space, and we're on a, on a side street, not a main. We I've been in there. We weren't in, like, Oxford Circus or Regent Street. We're in St. Christopher's Place where the rent was reasonable. Um, but it was a slow burn until like, you know, we had a dedicated cult following at that time, but we weren't able to get new customers until we launched piercing. So we used to get loads of feedback from customers because we're so well known for our ear jewelry. Do you do piercing? Do you do piercing? Like the amount of questions we get asked. And I was like, it's so complicated because logistically it's quite complicated. Hiring someone and also like setting everything up, licensing. The health and safety, I'm and sure. And health and safety. There's huge risk to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure. We were kind of toying on this idea for like about two years, I think. And then like I was out of New York and 
piercing parties seem to be really popular. So I came back and in 2017, we launched piercing as um, a party for influencers. And then our customers were asking for it when they saw the content. So we opened up once a week in our St. Christopher's location. Every time we launched it, they just got fully booked within the first hour. Wow. And then we started rolling it out there two was, days You are the only place to go. Like all of my daughter's yeah, friends, they're yeah. at that age where they're all yeah, getting their ears pierced. I, I think so. I mean, there, there are these like mom and pop shops, but they can be intimidating and you can go to, you know, the high street. Like, well, it used to be the yeah. chemist, I think. Do you remember? Yeah, Where did you get yeah, your ears yeah, pierced? I got mine pierced at a local jeweler in Korea and they did it with a gun. Yeah, I and had like, gun. I had infections. Oh, God. Yeah. It was and such I think, an awful experience. Yeah. Where I had it done, you went and sat in the chemist and like a gray-haired old man came along with his gun. Yeah, it and with the gun piercing, experience. the problem is like, you can't really angle it properly and it gets wobbly within your skin. And some people have thick ears and that becomes very tricky and that's where infection comes from. Whereas our piercers pierce with the needle straight. It just goes straight and they angle it. Yeah, I, I had my... um. Is it called a double or a second? I never know. Yeah, a second or a double. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. My, my daughter's always rolling yeah. her eyes at me because I get always say it wrong. No, we love it there. Yeah, so it's um, super professional. And the gauge is quite thick, so we leave a lot of room for healing. And not a lot of places yeah, do it properly. Yeah, and I properly. didn't have any problems at all yeah. with infections. Oh, I remember, that's really good to hear. Yeah, I remember lots of her friends did. Yeah. Actually, well, one of her friends had it done at a very expensive jeweler yeah. and yeah. had to come straight out. It was yeah. so infected. And we wanted to make you know professional piercing that's otherwise like very expensive, very accessible, and very, I guess, approachable. So when we launched piercing, it just blew up. So we would have influencers and celebrities come in to get their ears pierced. Oh, who's the most famous person you've, um, whose ears Ooh. you've pierced? Uh, Michelle Visage and Holly Willoughby. Oh, very cool. Yeah, they were amazing. Don't you love those moments when something yeah, like... Yeah, and it's like a pinch me moment. Yeah, definitely. And you know, like we also launched welding services, which is huge now, the bracelet welding. And um, the whole Beckhams came in. Uh, I'm not surprised. I want to have that with my daughter. I think it's such a lovely mummy-daughter, yeah. like matching kind of bracelets. Yeah. And my husband Joe got influenced because of David Beckham. And so what, David had one and yes, all the boys, yes, yes, all yes. of them. So um, I think like from how we stopped them, <laughs> <laughs> Romeo and his girlfriend came into one of our stores. Oh, I love her. Is that Mimi Mucha? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's very yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you do like a zoom and close up, they all have our welded bracelets. And then... <laughs> Jewelries are quite hard to spot in a picture. It's a bit like underwear. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, can, can you yeah. uh, just blow up your skirt for a sec so, so we can yeah. show everyone what you're then, wearing? Like Victoria and David came in with Harper. Was that your Notting Hill store? It, it was our King King's Road store, and everyone was starstruck. But we were all trying to like act cool. play it cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have my shop. Kate Middleton used to come in all the time, like Sienna Miller and people, and I'd be like, "Yeah, no, pretend you don't know who they are. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my friend." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had Oprah Winfrey um, go into the store. I, know. I mean, that I, was cool. I got that. I, I got that pajama set. I got the Oprah <laughs> and you set. Were I was influenced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that was completely unexpected. She went into a store in Montecito where she lives That's in huge. California and just found it. She bought That's bought amazing. it all. She's amazing. She won't yeah. receive anything gifted. She wants to pay for I guess everything. She can afford it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. And then after that, she's just been ordering loads more. But because we didn't pay her or anything, we were like, oh, we can't talk about it. But then suddenly she just appeared on the feed on her oh, Instagram. That's, that's amazing. It. Yeah. So exciting. I love those moments. They make it all worthwhile, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All the hard work. Yeah. So what's on your mind right now? Oh, we got a new CEO, which has been game changing. So she started, actually, it's nearly a year ago now. But we needed somebody in the business who really 
had a huge depth of um, experience in managing stock and scaling. She'd been at Bowdoin, do you know the Bowdoin? Yes. She'd been at Bowdoin for 12 years before us. Um, so she's really seen everything in retail. And we kind of needed that level of expertise um, to really grow the business for the next level. I mean, this year, Touch Wood has been amazing for us. Our growth numbers are really strong. So it feels like a really exciting time. We're going to keep growing the D2C. Then we do a lot of wholesale. So we partner with people like Selfridges and Shopbop. So keep growing those kind of accounts. And then we're going to start working on a strategy to take on America. So I'll probably be coming knocking on your door for advice for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, likewise. Yeah. So not, what's next for you? Personally? Personally? Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's a big question. We're working at the moment with a... Um, Corporate finance advisor. So when you're like yeah. planning your, yeah. your strategy for investment and exits. And I think that's going to be really important for me personally is to have an exit date in mind because, you know, it's so full on. Yeah. I never get five minutes to myself. I'm not moaning, but it's the truth. It's, there's never a second in Are the day. Are you planning, like, have you started that process already? I don't know whether I should be saying this, but slightly, yeah. Oh, wow. I have a real thing, and it's a piece of advice, you know, you will have written a business plan before you started. Like, that's the most... I didn't, actually. Connie! No. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to business school as well. Right? <laughs> and I did an MBA as well. Did you know like, I had no business plan. <laughs> did you not? You just no. sort of like... No, no, no. But I'm naturally a very intuitive person. You're I... more confident than me because I need to... Mm. have everything mapped out yeah, I don't know whether it's like the confidence or lack of organization but like I don't, whatever I don't believe it. it's the lack of organization <laughs> there's no way you've done what you've done if you're disorganized for me because I'm quite a chaotic my brain I think has a bit of ADHD in it so for me I need to have a path because otherwise I feel like I'm out of control but the path can change so today yeah. we're sort of working towards a three-year exit plan but anything could happen we might be having so much fun that. You know, we want to just keep going and it's really cash generative. You know, so we never say never, but but it's nice just to have a plan to work to, yeah, yeah, even if absolutely. you're not going to totally stick to it. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And you? Me? My my personal goals. I'd love to be able to step down from day to day from Astronomy at some point, but I'd love to still be involved like as chair or like, a, I don't know, chief vision officer or something yeah. like that. But I like, you know, to be honest, I didn't sign up to this to be a CEO. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm a founder through and through. Me Maybe, too. Like, the and, vision, the yeah, ideas, yeah. the and energy. And I had to really force myself to be a CEO. And I only recently put on my LinkedIn profile that I'm a CEO. I used to always say founder of Astrid. Did you feel like you were, had a bit of an um, imposter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not a CEO. Like, I, don't, I don't feel like a CEO. Oh, my God. <laughs> isn't that awful? Like, that's yeah. how you feel. And all these other women would look at you and go, oh, my God, she's the most mega CEO. You should be shouting it. Oh, that's so sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny actually that we were both were talking about personally we both asked each other about personally but then we both brought it straight back to business yeah <laughs> we did the workaholism yeah, yeah. is uh, is yeah. there but I think when you are running a business it's like another child isn't it it just takes up yeah, every part so absolutely. your personal life is completely yeah. wrapped up in it there's no real separation which is not particularly healthy and I don't think you can do it forever and what um, advice would you give your younger self and young entrepreneurs write a business plan <laughs> <laughs> I do actually think you should write a business plan even if it changes it will change all the time but just to have a sort of outline of god people always say it should be a three-year plan yeah. but really a year a vision right yeah so I think a vision is important yeah we spent a lot of time on like our brand books our like our tone of voice who our customer is we know exactly who she is so that's really helpful is knowing exactly who your customer is so you know exactly how to talk to them all the time. Um, I think having a great product 
I would hate to have a business that didn't have a great product because it's tough. And that's what's going to see you through yeah. is having something that customers are going to come back for yeah. and trust a brand that people trust in and believe in. Yeah, that's the baseline, isn't it? It's the fundamental. If you don't have that, then I don't know how anything else is possible, really. Yeah. So that takes time, research, thought, planning to really get that bit right. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, and then just surround yourself with good people. Yeah. And go slow and steady. Don't rush. Because my instinct is yeah. always quicker, quicker, faster. Yeah, that's such good advice. Have self-belief and go slowly. Yeah, but not too much <laughs> self-belief that you don't get advice when yeah, you do need yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes other people do but the best. But do stuff, right? But trust your instincts. Oh my God, that's been the biggest lesson to me is having that, like you say, the self-belief to trust in myself and my own judgment. So how can people find you and Stripe and Stare? They can go onto our Instagram at Stripe and Stare or our website and um, stripeandstare.com and try out the world's most comfortable knickers. Thank you so much, Katie. That was so inspiring and so much fun. I loved it. Thanks, Connie. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow the podcast wherever you're listening or watching. You can follow me at Connie Nam, Astrid and Mew at Astrid and Mew, and Unboxed Instagram page at Unboxed underscore Founder Confidential. See you next week.